screw that all up. All right. All right. Okay, so whenever you're ready to make a blooper, go ahead and fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right. This is Zach from the DIY Wealth Podcast, and we're on Jeff's show, Vroom Vroom Veer. Hey! I think I did that pretty good, honestly. I, I'm I, giving I you, thought I was going to completely ruin that, but I actually did pretty good on that. Uh, most people just say vroom vroom, and they forget oh. completely about veer. So not only did you not screw up, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're one of the few guys that got vroom vroom veer altogether. So All right. Well, well I, was glad I, could, I was glad I could rub my last two brain cells together and execute <laughs> on that flawlessly. Well done, sir. Okay, I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Dustin Heiner, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Hey, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm blessed. Things are going very well. I really just enjoy being able to, like, I literally don't work. I quit my job when I was 37 years old. Now I get to have fun on podcasts like yours. Yeah. So me too. I mean, I still have a job, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it because working from home is weirdly fun. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes not so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in a good spot, you know, especially with where the world's at right now. So talk a little bit briefly about what you're most excited about in your business today. Well, wow, that's a fantastic question. So I love business in general. I've always been entrepreneurial. Okay. And so I love, I invest in real estate in rental properties. Nice. Then as I was quitting my job, I had people asking me, well, how did you do it? Can you teach me? And so I started mm. teaching people with master passive income, wrote books and podcasts. But what I'm really excited about right now is I'm literally creating a conference. Like we didn't talk about this before, but I cre- I'm creating a conference. It's going to be in March of this year. And it's nice. literally a no sales pitch real estate investing conference where I'm just re- literally getting 27 other expert um, uh, investors to literally just share and teach how to do this. So that it's called Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, RubeCon for short. But man, I am so pumped because there are so many people that I can help invest yeah. in real estate. So that's what right. I'm really, really excited about right now. Yeah. I, you know, I often like think that like, I don't necessarily want to do it now because, you know, I'm 52 and I don't need much more money. <laughs> but if I were to start over, right, if I were like an yep. 18, 20 something, right, I would seriously consider this. Because that's the perfect time to do it. You know, I think oh, you yeah. know that. It's like you have absolutely no, you don't have a wife, you don't have kids. Right? You should it's start so, making money now, right away. So much fewer responsibilities right. than when you're older. Right. So I quit my job when I was 37 years old. Right. And I and quit, had I would never kids already. look back. And right. Uh, yeah, I wish, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wish I would have started. So I started when I was 27. Yeah. Yeah. And 37 quit my job. Yeah. I wish I started when I was like 17, 18. So I'm totally. teaching my kids now that yes. this is what we're going to be doing yes. and helping them so they don't have to do it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably like the, the, the number one thing you can do like 
for a young person now is to think, you know, just go do your research, however you do it. Is it Dustin stuff, my stuff, whoever, just figure out what's going on with financial independence <laughs> yes. and retire early if you feel like it. But the FI movement is a real thing. And it's, you know, it's like how to start working on your fuck you money, basically. <laughs> See, yeah. And I, I didn't you know I retired. I basically quit my job when I was 37. That's why I like yeah. the term successfully unemployed. Right. And it's that I found a way to not work for somebody else, but right. still make money to provide for myself and my family. Right. And that was through real estate. But yeah. So thinking about being retired early, it's great, but I still do lots of work. I love working. Right. I love helping right. people, I love serving people, I love business. Right. And so it's just a great thing. To, like I said, the term successful unemployed is something I just love because it gets people to think like you're unemployed and you're happy about it. But like, <laughs> yes, because I figured out how to not work for somebody else and still right. provide for my family. And it's, you still work, right? I mean, you're obviously 100%. working, right? But you're yep. working on your own terms and you're doing shit you care about. I would much rather do, exactly. I'd much rather yes. do the things that I want to do. Right. Businesses I want to build, whatever it might be, but helping people put my effort yeah. and my value into right. whatever it is I'm creating as opposed to doing it for somebody else. Right. Because when you even if you have a job you really dig, which, you know, let's not take anything away from that. There's plenty of people that like working. But do you want to do that the rest of your life? Probably not. <laughs> it's just not when you think about it, at any moment you could get fired. And it has nothing to do with you, right? <laughs> you know that's true. Yeah, yeah, yep. right. So, okay, enough about that. We'll geek out about that more in the future because there's tons of things to talk about, things that people don't usually think about that you think about once you get there, right? Like like you, I know not so much maybe because you are you were running your businesses and you've got family. But for me, I, I we don't have kids, right? So when I was like 38 and I retired from the Air Force, I had a couple of jobs, but later on then... I decided to start screwing around full time. <laughs> and there's a lot to think about that. You know, it's you can't do that really because it's becomes this sad and lonely life. So you need things to keep you busy. Anyway, we'll talk more about that later. Let's get into Dustin, like what were you like in high school? Where did you grow up? Oh yeah. So I grew up in Fresno, California. Ooh, Went to Fresno. Uh, wow. You know, okay. Yeah, you know <laughs> I do dead center of the entire state. Right, yes. right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, high school, I was, I liked the idea of business, but here's the thing. We're all taught, and I was definitely taught this, and I was going down this route, that you go to school, right. you get good grades. Then you go to college, get good grades, but get thousands and thousands of dollars into debt, right. and then take that piece of paper, it's called a degree, right. you take that with you, and you try to get a job right. with that thousands of dollars in debt. Then you get that job, and you try to work for 40, 50 years, and then eventually retire when you're 65, 70 years old, and hopefully live the rest of your life on what you saved up for those 30, you know, 40, right, 50 years. Right, right. And so that's what I loved about your podcast is, you know, the, the veering off. Like I was taught that. And then I realized after mm, that's good. Uh, it was probably a good little bit of time, but the route that I was going, I would retire at 65 years old. I'm like, my life is halfway or like almost all over. Like, right. Like I want to not do that. I'd rather <laughs> do it sooner than that. Let me tell you, you a you figured a Jeff, that out in high school story. already. It was getting out of high school okay. and into college. Okay, yes. gotcha. I, I was, I was. You're thinking that. about was, it anyway, right? Okay, good. Correct. Well, here's the big reason why is my my mom and my dad had divorced, and my mom remarried, and my stepdad was entrepreneurial and basically a contractor, had his own business, and my biological dad also was entrepreneurial, so he had his own business. So I had really good examples of people not having to work for somebody else. So that was right. helpful. Totally. But 
from there, I still kept working that dead end job. So I job, reason I call it a job, it's a just over broke job because Correct. your boss is not paying <clears throat> you enough that you're worth. Now, I, let me, Jeffrey, let me tell you a quick story uh, that really catapulted me into, like I was telling you, that I needed to be able to not work for somebody else. I wanted to be successfully unemployed. I'll fast forward to the end. At 37 years old, I quit my job. And right. because I had so much real estate and rental properties, I was like, man, I don't need to work anymore. But let me jump quickly back to what catapulted me. So I was working a regular nine to five job. I was working at the county there in Fresno, a regular IT job, you know, nine to five, sit down every day and work an IT job. Right. And I've always been entrepreneurial in my life, though. So when I was 13 years old, I had a paper route. Most people don't know what papers, newspapers are, but <laughs> riding my bikes with newspapers and bags and throwing them at 5 a.m. Yeah. and banging on garage my buddy, doors. My buddy in Michigan had a, a paper route, so uh, I helped him deliver papers on occasion. So it's yeah, that well, was that, a, that was freezing. the kid job. Yes, oh my god, it was. I remember so, the negative forty degree wind chill delivering <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> oh goodness, <laughs> California, we never got that. No, <laughs> so so from there, I so I've always been entrepreneurial, like I said. So a paper route. I had a graphic and website design company, I had a oh, skateboard wow. manufacturing business, Skeet had a wow. pizzeria, started a convenience store, started lots of business, but at the same time, continued down the path that I was always taught, you know, eventually retire when you're 65, 70 years old. Then you kept I bought the a rental property. Too. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I bought a rental property and I was like, man, this is really good. Having a one rental property is making me money without working. But okay. this is really what catapulted me into becoming an investor and skipping all those other businesses, but being just investors. So I'm still working a regular nine to five job and my wife and I started having kids. And by the time we had our fourth child, she was born and I went on paternity leave. Now paternity leave is where the dad stays home with the mom and changes right. poopy diapers and bonds mm -hmm. with a baby and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So about a week or two, I'm off. And then I go back to work after that. And I'm back to work for about a week. And on a Friday at three 30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the top dog. And she wow. says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. And then hung up the phone. And I sat there for a second. I paused. And I thought, why in the world would they be calling me to the office? Like, this isn't normal. Right. And as I'm sitting there, I'm remembering a couple months prior, before I went on paternity leave, there was some rumors or some rumblings going on that there could potentially be layoffs. And I immediately shook that off. I'm like, no, I'm following the plan I was taught. And I get, I've had so much seniority. I'm a great employee. I get raises all the time. So I immediately shook that off. I get up and I walk down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long, but it's actually, it's actually kind of short. But every single step that I took, it felt like it got longer. The hallway got longer and longer and longer. My feet <laughs> felt like they were lead bricks. And each step right. took more and more effort because I started really realizing that this is not normal. I could potentially lose my job. And the weight of everything starts coming on my shoulders. Well, I get through that hallway and then I make a turn and I see my boss's door. His door is closed and I look at his secretary. His secretary looks at me and sheepishly she grins at me and kind of consoling me with her eyes and says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? She's a super nice lady and wow. she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing right. about what's going on. Okay. So I go and I <clears throat> sit down in the chair and as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all the thoughts about potentially getting laid off. Like all these years going to school, college, getting a, you know, quote unquote career. If that's all taken away from me, was that all a waste? Did I just waste my life? Like, you know, 13, 14 years of my life right. in this quote unquote career that's taken away from me. Oh my goodness. That was a waste. But then I started really re realizing, oh no, my fourth child is literally two or three weeks old. If I can't provide for them, put food on the table, does that make me 
a failure as a father? Right. Does that make me right. a failure as a, wow. as a husband? Yeah. As a man providing for his family. And so as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because I'm just getting anxious and more anxious because the weight of everything just is crushing on my shoulders. Well, the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a lady, a coworker of mine, with a piece of paper in her hands. She's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset, but she's not necessarily crying. But you can tell her world has absolutely been rocked. Wow. And she passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come in the office? I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, right. but I did. Wow. So I take that layoff notice and I walk down the hallway back to my, my desk and I sit down at my desk and I realize two things right then and there as I'm sitting. I want everybody to try to realize this themselves. Don't have to go through what I went through. So I right. realized two things. Number one, I need to be able to provide for my family. I need to put food on the table. I need another job. So I was really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, mm. a whole different department, sheriff's department. It was great doing IT work there. It was really blessed. So that I was blessed to take care of really quickly. The second thing, as I'm sitting in that chair, I realized I need to make sure this never, ever happens to me again. I also totally. need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability Your to feed my family. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As I'm sitting there, I realized that my value is so much more than anybody could ever pay me. And so everybody, you need, you need to listen to this and hear this. Your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And here's how you know why or how. So your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much as taking money out of their pocket. If you're getting paid for your value, you'd be paying so much more. So as I was sitting there, I made a plan and then I executed on the plan. I knew that investing in real estate was what I want to do, but life got in the way. And so I well, realized you four kids. I you're kind of a busy guy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I said, you know what, from now on, I'm going to tell everybody I'm an investor because what we always do when somebody says, what do you do? They say, Dustin, what do you do? I would say, well, I work for the County. I do it work basically telling them my value is in my job. My value right. doesn't come from my right, job. Right. My value comes from my God, my family and myself. And so from that point forward, I literally started telling everybody when they said, Dustin, what do you do? I said, I am an investor. I invest nice. in real estate. It may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's my part-time job. I am a full-time investor. So fast forward the story. I bought property after property, real estate rental properties okay. that made me $250 a month in passive income every single month. Eventually, I had 30 plus properties and I wow. didn't need to work again. So I'll round out the quick story or the story to tell you. I went to my new boss, great boss and everything. And I said, boss, I'm laying you off. I'm giving you a two weeks notice, <laughs> but, you know, jokingly. And he goes, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, I really literally don't have to do anything because I own real estate that works for me without even working. So round up the story by sharing. I walked to my car at the last day of work. And I've done this walk a thousand times, about a mile and a half walk is working in downtown. I didn't want to pay for parking. So this last walk, if you remember... That first walk, yeah. I was walking that short hallway. It got longer and longer. Yeah. This one, Let instead of my feet, feet being lead bricks, right? I, lead bricks. My feet I felt like that. I was walking on clouds because yeah. I knew I would never, ever need a job again. So I'll, I'll pause the story and let you ask questions. But that's how it catapulted me to buy property after property. After 30 plus properties, I literally didn't need to work ever again. Right, right. That's awesome. No, thanks for sharing because that I love the story of... It kind of reminded me of, uh, it's kind of a nerdy story that, uh, so when I was in basic training, I had a similar sort of 
it wasn't a firing, but I, the the lead boots, kind of like the feet, you know, I, I just I got I oh, had yeah. gotten recycled. Okay, so in basic training, I don't know if you've ever heard about anybody in the Air Force, but you don't get like they don't make you do push ups in the Air Force. This was in, I've heard in, in 1987 or 88, 88. Um, Every time you screw up, they would pull, they would, you had these little forms in your pocket. They're like demerit forms <laughs> with that. You had to fill out yourself to saying like, here, here, Mr. Training Instructor, you write, write down what I did to screw up. Right. So I don't know. I had already screwed up quite a bit to, to get in, in trouble. And I was kind of like in double secret probation <laughs> already. <laughs> right. And then, um, uh, then we had this big inspection and I failed it like completely. And that was sort of like the last draw sort of thing. Cause I was on double secret probation. That's made up. Okay. That's <laughs> from animal house. But anyway, <laughs> they, um, they moved me from basically being in my cycle, right? They, they took me out of one, they call them flights, right? And they moved me to another dorm and another flight with a whole nother group of people that was two days behind the, my current training flight. So then what happens is, is they make you go pack your shit. <laughs> <laughs> so me going up to my old dorm and packing up my shit, I literally bawled my ass off, right? Uh, and so pack up my shit crying like a little baby. I'm 18, move it into the new dorm and then go back. And now I'm with a whole bunch of new dudes, right? That I don't even know. Uh, the next day I realized how awesome that was because the new flight was way better. <laughs> uh -huh. Anyway, that's what I thought of doing that walk, right? That walk of shame down your boss's office. Nobody ever wants to feel that way. So, um, yeah. So then the other thing I was thinking of when you were telling that story was at this point, like just a question, were you kind of like already on the thrifty frugal bandwagon or were you kind of more of like, uh, just spending like, like an ordinary American I, consumer. <laughs> definitely, definitely much more frugal than not frugal. My wife okay. is much more frugal than I am or okay. was. Right. And so she helped me to become more frugal. And that's why I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to pay for parking. That's just taking money. Out yeah, of that's, pocket. that's what walk. made me think <laughs> like yeah. you were already kind of like at that age on the, on the, I don't need to spend money that I don't need to, you know, because like when, yes. when people, I don't like to tell people like how much money I have, I'll say, I have, I don't need to work, right? I've got investments. I've got my retirement. I don't really need to work, but I'm not going to tell them what that number is. That's not public information because sure. th then they think that I'm rich, right? <laughs> maybe yep. I am, maybe I'm not, but that's not important, right? I don't want like everybody to think, oh, well, you should buy all the time, Mr. Moneybag. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know a little bit about me. So I moved from California to Arizona where my, oh, yeah. uh, my wife's from yeah. and we had a rental property here. It's definitely much better be out of California. Yeah. Uh, so we're living in Phoenix. I had a rental property here. The tenants were moving out. We wanted to move in or move to Arizona. I literally moved into our house currently that we're in now. It's literally 1,250 square feet. It's Perfect. my wife and myself oh, and yeah. our four kids. Wow. And we have enough money to buy another house. But at the same time, I'm waiting for a good deal. 
you know, I'm waiting yeah. for something that is going to cut, but that we really now is want. not a good time but to buy frugal, a house. Yeah, <laughs> a house to live in. It's right. not the best time now no. for investment property. Yes, m- uh, myself and my students are buying lots of properties, sure. but yeah, to live in, it's not the best. So right. we're holding off. But that's frugal me. I'm like, well, twelve hundred fifty square feet. It's tight, but we'll make do. We'll have more money to buy another house in the future. Yeah, the, you know, I, I I I'll tell you my California escape. Because you ha- if you're living in California, the only reason you should be doing that is is it it's either something you like, right? Like the beach or you're surfing or uh-huh. you just need it, you know? Okay, then it's worth the expense, sure. But if you're like me, I mean, I never really went to the beach, right? But California is like having two countries when it comes to taxes, you know? It's just like sure does. so expensive. And and then they, uh, I think the, the rate when I checked last was on capital gains on investments. It's like 7% at the state level. That's just insane. That's a nuts. (laughs) Anyway, so congratulations on escaping California. Yeah, you too. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Okay, so, all right. So let's talk a little bit more about like just what life was like even before you got fired. Um, okay. d- working your job. So, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like you hated your job, right? You were, you know, uh, well, no. So I'm, I'm definitely a good employee, meaning I got raised all the time. My bosses think I did a fantastic job. All right. that sort of stuff. Cause right, right. I, I know that I, I was raised with a work ethic to make sure I get things done, make sure my bosses love me. And so I can get raises and just plus yeah, yeah, it looks sure. bad on me if I don't do well. So right. All that to say, I wouldn't say I hated my, well, I just hated working for other people because I knew that my value is so much more than anybody could pay me. And when I started, when I realized that, I was like, oh my goodness. Well, let me pause. One other quick thing was I, this is really what catapulted me before to get the idea of something else than working that J-O-B. Another beer. Reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. All I read, right. I read that I read book. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And that helped me to get, expand my thinking because we're always taught you work an hour, get paid an hour. Just like you, you know, take a test, you get a grade. That's your, you know, reward. You work an hour, you get paid an hour. And then Rich Dad Poor Dad opened my eyes to say, that little box. there's something else as passive income. Yeah. And I realized passive income, what's that? Right. I found out you work one time, you get paid over and over again. I'm like, I need that. <laughs> I need to absolutely do that. And so totally. from there, I realized if I buy one rental property, it made me $250 a month. I right. didn't work because I hired other people to do all the work. But at the same time, I started realizing, oh my goodness, I don't like working here. I could probably do it differently. I would rather do it differently. I don't want to work for somebody else. If I just scale my business, meaning if I buy one one property, it makes me $250 a month. That's $3,000 a year. That's a lot of money. 10 properties is two hundred. Or sorry, $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year. 20 properties is $5,000 a month, Sixty. Thousand dollars a year without wow. yeah, working—that's that passive income. It adds and up. That, <laughs> I realized, yes, yeah. I could actually not work, be financially independent because I have my properties that make me money. Right. So, Rich Dad Poor Dad got me down that road with passive income, and that's also the reason why I started Master Passive Income because I thought, well, what better is it? What better way to make money than a re- rental property? So, I'm mastering passive income by buying a rental property. Now, Jeffrey, you'll definitely understand this. I buy one rental property because I hire everybody else to do the work in the business, property managers, contractors, roofers. Like I literally have everybody else do the work. I literally don't work. I, so if you, <laughs> nice. most, most people have heard the book, the four hour work week, right? Well, 
my opinion, working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't <laughs> want to work four hours a month. Get this, Jeffrey. That's I great. maybe work 30 minutes a month on all my rental properties wow. because I have other people do the work. Right. I basically just pull up the property management statements, look through it, make sure everything looks good, and then set aside to go back to play with my kids or do whatever, golfing because I live in Phoenix now. Right. Now, that is because of learning about passive income. Well, yeah, I you have to learn how down to that route. set up those systems, right? Like the- 100%. Who to hire, who to trust, right? All those, I, there's a lot to know. <laughs> If, there is. Yeah. And if you're doing it on your own, then you've just given yourself another job, right? And on top of that, instead of having one boss, like let's say, because my convenience store, just to, we'll put you a picture of a convenience store. You I have traded a convenience store. one big boss, my main boss, to a bunch of little bosses. If they don't come into my store to buy anything, right. then I don't make money. Just like if I don't go to work and my boss fires me, then I don't make money. So it right. traded it for a bunch of little bosses. Right. I'm not saying that's bad. It's, it's still a good business model. I just love it's a lot work. of work though. I have it's a lot of work. That, yeah. Yeah. The real estate literally does all the work for me now because it just sits there. People rent it out. Right. And I don't do anything because I hire other people to do all the work. Right. Right. And then like people will think like, okay, but how do you, f I guess like what's the, the, the steepest learning curve really when you, if you wanted to get into this, like if you're just like oh, a, a high school graduate, right. And you're going, yeah. should I go to college? Or should I not go to college? That kind of thing. So what, what's the, the first step? I mean, should you just buy a property? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's definitely. Well, that's what I did. And ah, I did it how wrong. Did, how did it work so out? How, when, I'll tell you how I did it. Now, this is the wrong way. And I will tell you the right way. But this is the wrong way. So don't do it this way. So uh, it was in 2006 when I first started investing before the crash and everything. Okay. And mm -hmm. I knew in California, I couldn't buy a property for enough, or I couldn't buy property because it's so expensive and still make passive income or cash flow. Right. You know, all it really does, all you really do is you figure out your income minus your expenses. So add up right. all your expenses, your taxes, insurance, property managers, all that sort of stuff. Right. You add that up. And as long as you can rent it out for more, my opinion, you should have $250 or more in passive income. That difference is your money that you put in your pocket to feed your family. So what I, the question is, when you ask the question, it's a great question. If we're going to get started, don't do this. Meaning, a lot of other people who teach you how to invest in real estate, they'll give you this way to do it. Remember, this is the wrong way. I'll give it to you again. What they say is you go, you find a property, any property, and you run the numbers. Basically, make sure you're going to be making a little money in passive income, and you make sure you're, that you're going to buy it right, meaning income minus expenses. Then, after that, you buy the house. You spend thousands and thousands of dollars to buy the property. Yeah, there's then a you transaction spend fee, right? And, right. Exactly. Yep. Even down payment, too. That's a right. lot of money. And right. then you spend thousands of dollars to fix it up. You get right. it all rehab, fix it up. And then you find somebody to rent the property, a tenant. Then you find somebody to manage the property. Property and manager, right. If, for, yeah, for me, that's just about backwards. So the question being, if you're get started and also what's the biggest hangup? The biggest hangup, it's the easiest thing to do is buy a property. Anybody can buy a property. Right. In fact, I buy a lot of properties right. off of people who think they're landlords when they're not. And after 10 years of having so many headaches because they didn't do it right, they didn't they didn't build the business first, which I'll get into in just a second, building right. the business first. Right. They did it wrong. And they're so fed up. Like, just, I said, just take the property. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. well, thank you. That's great. And I take it. Right. But here's the right way to do it. The right way to do it is building the business first. Let me give you a quick example of what that looks like outside of real estate. And then I'll jump back into real estate. So if you're going to start a convenience store, Convenience store, you know, candy bars and soda machines. Mm -hmm. Convenience store, yeah. you're not going to sign a lease for a location, open the doors, and then put a box of candy bars there on the ground. No, if you did that, you go out of business in two seconds. 
What you would do though, is you would build the business first. You'd get the gondolas. Those are shelving units that all the candy bars go on, countertops, cold storage, um, fountain machines, bank accounts, cash <clears throat> registers, insurance, all that sort of stuff before you bought any inventory. Same thing in real mm. estate. We build the entire business first, make sure that it can run on its own, and then we buy inventory. Because a lot of people will tell you, your property is your business. No, 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 no. We do not have it. We don't need, we should not view it like that. Our business, our real estate investing business owns inventory. So gotcha. uh, once we have the business set up, mm. we buy the property and that's an inventory piece of inventory that we put into our business. And that's how we can easily and quickly scale the business because we have everybody else doing all the work for you. But let me say let's one, one quick thing. I, I know you're going to have probably have some good questions. So I don't pay my, on any of my properties, I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay for repairs. I don't even pay for my property manager. My tenants pay for all of that. Now, it so happens that obviously the money flows into me out to all of them, but right. I don't have to get a job to pay for a property manager. I don't have to get a job to pay for the mortgage. Mm -hmm. No, my tenants pay me. And also I make $250 or more on mm -hmm. every property. Some property, like up in 2006, all the properties I bought back then, the rents are literally double from back then. So wow. it just gets better and better. Right. Okay. So, so what sort of things do you have to set up in the business? Uh, okay, obviously, you don't want to fix a toilet, right? So that's a property manager, uh -huh. right? So that's yep. an obvious one. Who else do you need to hire in, so in the business? You absolutely picked the best one that you absolutely need. So a right. lot of students, so I coach a lot of students, hundreds of students that I've coached how to do this. A lot of times, the first thing that they say, oh, Dustin, I found an area of the country because we invest all over the country. Like literally, no matter where you live, we invest everywhere. Um, like I invest in Texas, Ohio, and Arizona. I have students in Tennessee, in Indiana, Florida, all that's uh, like literally all over. So what they're first going to say is, Dustin, I found an area and then I found five realtors. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Realtors are literally the last people we contact. The first people, and Jeffrey, you hit the nail on the head. The first people that we contact are property managers. This is how people get so messed up. Imagine this. Remember that wrong way that I told you everybody said, like, you buy, buy the a house, property, fix it up, spend lots of money. Out, right. <laughs> and then figure out. And then at the very end, you look for a property manager. If you did that, what would happen if, and this has happened to lots of people, they build, they do everything, buy everything, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars, and then they go try to try to find a property manager. And then they can't find a property manager or the property managers that are calling and saying, I'm not going to manage that property. I'm going to get shot if I go over there. I'm not going to do that. Oh, then you right. don't have an asset anymore. Right. You have a liability. Right. So what we do, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I teach all my students. What we do is, let's say we find a good area of the country to invest that has good inventory. You know, three bedroom, two bath, right price range, 1,200, 1,500 square feet. There's a lot of criteria that we have. Yeah, and, but we and, find and, a and good people property. are moving in, not out kind of idea, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we can make $250 a month in passive income. Or better, So the, right? a lot of criteria. Right. Yeah, a lot of criteria. But let's say we find a city that we really like. We pause finding properties. Finding properties are going to come later, just like when you're going to build a convenience store. You're finding your inventory. Buying your inventories later on. You got to yeah. get everything else. So right. you're 100% right. The property manager is your number one person on your entire company, like your quarterback of your football team that makes you money, helps <laughs> right. you to you know be protected, all that sort of stuff. Sure. That's the property manager. Now, other ones that you're going to need, let's say, you know, mortgage broker. You absolutely need a mortgage broker because you need to be able to have money to be able to buy the house. Gotcha. You need contractors, roofers, okay. 
plumbers, <clears throat> insurance agents, inspectors, all these other people that are going to be doing the work in the business, even like title companies, attorneys. There's so many things we need to do first before we buy any properties. And then once we do all of that, then it's like plug and play. You buy next property, put it in. Buy the next property, put it in. Right. Wow. Okay. See, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's so much smarter than, you know, because uh, it's, it's easy to like, especially if you're hanging around California. So the last time, actually, I should say when I was leaving California, my wife stayed at a girlfriend's house for a while because she wanted to finish out her job and she ended up staying in California like a couple months, right? And so then I had to go pick her up, right? And I spent the night at her rental. And I'm looking around and I'm walking around looking at these rental properties and they're like these like four unit, just big building rentals in California. I'm like, wow, just imagine if I could own a couple of these. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it was like, ah, uh, they just, it's just like a bank. <laughs> but well, and here's you, a- you can't think that way because A, it's California. So those are, those <laughs> properties are going to be millions of dollars, right? Um, so that's not probably the best place to start until you have like some capital. Well, yeah, uh, there are ways to invest in real, in California. It's just a little harder, but right. I, I want to share with you. And I love sharing this because it's absolutely amazing. I make money and anybody, if you buy one rental property, you make money in six different ways. I'll quickly go over them. Six different ways. I literally make money. So number one, passive income. We've already talked about the that. Rent, income right? minus expenses. Right. Yes. I love that. That's how we feed our family, but we also make money in different ways. Another way is equity capture. Because I'm an investor, let's say it's worth, well, just round numbers, $100,000. I try to buy it for like $80,000, $85,000. So I capture, you know, twenty dollars or $15,000 in equity. That's another way, ca- equity capture. Another way is market appreciation. We just know over time, the market goes up, just even from inflation. The value right. goes up over time. <clears throat> another one is forced appreciation. I get in, find a decent property that needs to be, you know, if I put some work into it, it'll be worth more. Right. Put in some money, make it worth more. A pretty painting and all that sort of stuff makes it worth more by forcing the appreciation, forcing the value up. Another mm. one, love is tax benefits. Now, I, whenever I when I first started investing, I was like, oh, tax benefits, yeah, that's great. I don't really worry about that. But kid you not, depreciation alone, taxes are taken out. It's it, depreciation is absolutely amazing. Basically, you buy a house and the income that you are reporting to the IRS is seen as lower because a depreciating asset as your property is showing over 27.5 years. You buy it for $100,000. You deduct that over 27.5 years from your income. So it looks like you're making less. Long story short, you buy property after property, you just get lots of tax deductions. There's so many more, but that's another one. Last one I'll quickly give you, (laughs) and I love this one. It's almost as good as passive income. Remember when I said, I don't pay my mortgage? Well, that means I don't pay my property, or sorry, I don't pay my uh, principal. I don't pay the interest. I don't even pay the insurance. I don't pay any of that stuff. My tenants pay for that. So that's called mortgage buy down. Let's give you round, round numbers to help you understand this. Let's say you buy a house for $100,000. You use an FHA loan to buy the house. You move into it, live in there for a year and then move out because that's a criteria for an FHA loan. But that's only three and a half percent down is an FHA loan. It's $3,500 to buy the house. Then you move out. You still have $96,500 left. You move out and put a tenant in there for the rest of the 30 years or 29 years your tenant is paying that 96,500 and all of the interest because you're allowing them to live in that property. So mm. that's the six ways. You have passive income, 
equity capture, market appreciation, uh, forced appreciation, tax benefits, and mortgage buy-down. It's just absolutely amazing. <laughs> and on top of that, my rents literally keep going up. In fact, my rents have gone up like 10% every year for the last like two years. Right. It just keeps going up. It's it's amazing. I like the, 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 the other thing that we talked about um, was being frugal so we can get into that. So, oh, yeah. so, and, and I'll tell you the story of, uh, I was wasting a lot of time again, trying to come, I, I, I've kind of, you know, that when you read your Robert Kiyosaki's book, right. Yep. And he had that little quadrant with the employee, the, the investor, yeah. the owner, right. Cash flow quadrant. Yep. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of got stuck on, I, right. I'm just an investor. Uh, when I get to the owner thing, I'm like, again, I think we, in the pre-show chat, I'm like, if I were 20 something or 30 something, <laughs> I might think about doing all of this, but I've already got my money. So it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> do I really want to build a business now? No, not really. I don't have kids. I've got a big pile of money. I just kind of want to figure out like, what is going to make me happy? Where to park your money to make more money? Well, that right? yeah, I've, I'm doing the robo investor thing, so that that okay. is I've got like betterment and wealth front are sort of like I'm I'm okay. using them to work against each other because they can both see okay. the external accounts. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to both yeah. offer me the the free upgrade <laughs> for for a hundred percent transfer. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you another another option might be super awesome for you. So I literally just invested into a hotel, so wow. bought into a hotel. But okay, yeah, it's it's not me doing the work. Now I'm blessed because I have my business and my businesses. Um, I, I literally have like four or five businesses that are passive income business. I love it. So I decided to I want to do syndication, which means there are other investors who buy either hotels, apartment complexes. You know, 50, 200 unit apartment complexes. They wow. need people to, to uh, basically invest money and you get an ownership share of the property. Right. So what I did recently, I just gave them, I don't know, 30 grand or something like that right. to buy this house. Now, sorry, these two hotels, extended stay hotels, long story short, fantastic deals. I'm going to get 12%. And wow. when, after about four or five years, this is 12% every year. After about four or five years, we're going to exit the property, try to sell it. And I should, if everything pencils out like it has in the past, double the amount of money that I put in on top of the wow. 12% that I made every single year. So all that to say, there are so many other ways that you can do real estate. You don't have to do exactly the way I do it. There's right. so many great investments out there. I've been, have you ever heard of Peer Street? I have. Peer Street is actually really cool. Um, I, spe- I don't, I'm not all in on it. I kind of had this like epiphany that like, um, I kind of want to sort of like, before I put money there again, I'm now folk because I want to retire really soon. So I'm sort of like uh-huh. trying to build up a big old cash bucket. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to have like five years worth of kind of cash um, going into not having a job ever again. So that yeah. way I don't, I I've got a little bit more. It's sort of like building a time horizon. Um, if you know what I mean. Right. So I do. Yeah. So like if I have that big chunk of cashy, it's not really cash, but it's cash like the, the, uh, betterment has this thing called the safety net. It's like 15% stocks and then everything else is bonds. Right. And you can use it like a checking account. 
right? So I'm like, okay, that's where I'm parking my cash. <laughs> it makes about six, seven, eight percent in a good year. And, you know, yeah. And that's way better than most cash accounts. So that's. Uh, oh, 100%. So yeah. I, I, I look for other ways to, to park my money, like a hotel, obviously parking my money in a hotel, <laughs> buying a property. Right. right. What I love is the cash flow. I love making money that comes in my pocket. So what I literally did with my 401k and IRA, I cashed it out. And I took the penalties, okay. but I bought real estate with it. And wow. I make so, like, remember, I make money six ways when I buy one rental property as right. opposed to my right, 401k, right, right, which right. You know, was you, you, kind of eking wow. along. Okay. So much better. Once, I cash it once, all out. Once you get that that sort of like money-making machine thing going, you're looking at the numbers going, what the hell am I doing over here? <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> 100%. Yep. And then, awesome. But here's a great thing on top of that too. Yeah. So people say, well, you know, I can make money in the stock market. I'm like, yes, you can. You absolutely can. But here's also another thing you can think about. Right. So I can get insurance on my property. So if it blows up or fire or whatever, I literally have insurance. You can't necessarily get stock insurance. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You can do like a stop loss and all that sort of thing. You can short it, which is just kind of complicated, but you can't actually go to a company and say, Hey, if I lose money, will you give me money? Like, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) I I actually checked that out. (laughs) I tried. I Googled (laughs) that. I'm like, can I insure my investment accounts? No, (laughs) no, you can't. You cannot. On top of that. Right. You cannot go to a banker, uh, any bank, go to any bank and say, Hey bank, I want to borrow money to invest in the stock market. They're going to laugh at you <laughs> if you go to them and though and say, "I want to borrow money to buy a rental property, buy a house." Like, yeah. oh, sure, here we go. Well, so, you know, the yeah, other there's thing, so many more benefits. The other thing I was thinking about the other day was, um, you know, like especially right now, the interest rates are so incredibly low for a house, right? Oh yeah, and I could just pull equity out of my house. And stick it in the stock market <laughs> and make more you money. Sure can. Yeah, yeah, yes. you can. Yep. You can, uh, but you can't do that. the uh, The opposite is not true. You can't pull money out of the stock market transaction free at a low yep. rate. No, you can't do that. So yeah, there's a lot of benefits to property, real property. Oh yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about like like my house is. I, I want to get into the frugal aspect of this whole lifestyle. Sure, and then also talk a little bit about um, your spiritual beliefs, because I think sure. that's huge because you said God, uh, family, right? The, yep. I like the how yep. you put God first. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, my house, it was really hard to buy a house that my house is like 13, just under 1400 square feet, right? And it's all single story, but it yeah. is super difficult to find one of these in Vegas, Right, because oh, I bet. you know how two story and big. right, right. You know, it's like that whole calculation of the the builder, right? Of they want to maximize yep. the 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 profit, square footage, so they yeah, can get it, dollar per square foot, up correct? And then lots of square feet, right? So the only time they build like a small house is when they can't build the second, the two story. I think that's what seems like <laughs> uh, to be true, for whatever reason. Yep. So I'm like my uh, my whole um, development is on a slope. So like my house has got its backyard is this huge slope, <laughs> uh, and hence yep. it's only they couldn't fit the 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 fit the two story footprint wouldn't fit. So I guess I just got lucky. But um, let's talk a little bit about um, obviously you've got tons of money, but it seems like you're still frugal. So talk a little bit about that kind of mindset, like the. 
because I, I I've been my wife and I kind of like just woke up that to that when we were young, you know, that what are we doing? Yeah. The whole like um, spending money you don't have to impress people you don't know or like, <laughs> right? Yeah, Maxing so out your credit cards. Like you. yeah. Right, right. So talk a little bit yep. about your mindset when it comes to just being frugal. So I personally enjoy being frugal, but at the same time, I enjoy buying things that I want. Like I love sure. firearms. I buy firearms. Nice. I love taking my wife out to dinner. Yeah. You know, I love, I love doing things, certain things, but at the same time, I'm conscious about what I buy now. So here's the, so I'll, let me start with frugality where I started, but then now where frugality can disrupt some sort of things is how much time is it going to take for me to be that frugal? If I True. just pay somebody to do that, I'm going to be able to make more money over here. So we'll get right. to that in just a second. Time's the most important, valuable thing you can ever spend. So I've always like growing up, my dad and my mom, my stepdad and my mom, we had like a two bedroom house. It was like literally 800 square feet. So mm. I, we didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot. Um, in right. fact, we were really, really poor and grew up and my wife, her dad was a teacher. Her mom was a stay at home mom. So they didn't have much money. Right. And so we were always taught to, and plus her parents were uh, boomers. And so they were, went through the depression and everything. And so mm. they, they were definitely locking down on everything, but then bringing our families together, I always thought, you know, we didn't have much. So we always fought for every single penny. And then I realized, I like the saying that a penny saved is a penny earned. So I also do the same thing. Like, how can I save a penny? Now, fast forward to, so I, let's see, I've always been frugal, but not stingy. Stingy is the bad side of frugality. We're not generous. Right. Frugal is good, but I also like to give. I love to give to my church. I love to give to, you know, just because right. I love to serve and give. Now with that, now fast forwarding to now, I'm blessed with plenty of money or enough money to where I don't have to work. And at the same time, I start realizing, okay, normally I would change my oil myself because I'm frugal, you know, change the oil in the car yeah. or cutting my own hair. Like I'm frugal. So I'm going to cut my own hair right. or cut my boy's hair. Cause I, that's what I do. But let's just talk about changing the oil in the car. If I change the oil in my car, it's going to save me $3, $5, because it's almost the same cost for the oil right. and the oil filter right. and if I go someplace else, they're going to do it for me. So all that to say, I start thinking how much time is it going to cost me versus how much it's going to cost me if I paid money. So right. round that to say, if I'm going to spend a lot of time, which my time is worth a lot, like I have five businesses now, they all make me a lot of money. If I, not just real estate, so rental properties is, you know, my real estate is one, also master passive income, my conference, I have a couple other brands that I also do as well. But if I put more time into that, I can make more money. So when we're frugal, we, th we have the thoughts of, I need to save a buck, save a buck, save a buck, save a buck, which is good when you're first starting out, but you could only save so much. If you start transitioning now to being, I need to make a buck, make a buck, make a buck. <laughs> right. There's so many more bucks you can make than <laughs> bucks you can save. That's true. So you need to transition out of being frugal. Frugal's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm still frugal. In fact, when I go to the restaurant, I'm still like, oh man, look how much this costs, even though I have plenty of money to pay for it. Right. I'm like, right. oh man, 50 bucks for my entire family to eat. That's a lot of money. Which, oh yeah. In, praise the Lord. I'm blessed to not have to worry about that, but right. I'm still, oh man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> totally. Well, the th I will, I will, use, my favorite example is when Disney plus came out. Right. So Disney Plus comes out and everybody's excited because. Right. And I think like a lot of people I work with, they're just like uber nerds. Right. And they have to have it. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> OK, if you really need to have that, that's fine. It's not that much money. But that I mean, I am perfectly cool with getting like a month at a time. 
right? A new show comes out. I want to binge The Mandalorian season two, right? Exactly. That only takes a month if you time it right. (laughs) And could I afford Disney Plus? Obviously. (laughs) It's not that much money. That's not the point. It's it's more about thinking about what you're spending and what you're going to get out of it. Is is you know that's. Let me ask you a question, Jeffrey. Sure. Let me ask you a question about your frugality. What do you what do you find yourself being most frugal with? I'll give you examples because you probably take a second thinking. I'm Hmm. most frugal with consumables, like a toothbrush. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw this away and like buy the cheapest toothbrush. Obviously, you know, it's it's still going to brush your teeth. Right. Or a razor blade. Like I'm not going to spend eight dollars on a razor blade when these big ones are like fifty cents. You know, it's like consumables. I hate wasting money on what I don't need to. (laughs) I have to think about that. It seems to me like all of our toothbrushes are free because we get (laughs) we we, every time I go to see my dentist, I get a toothbrush. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So um, I'm probably could do better on my. The thing is, is I only shave once a week, so I do get the uh, the the fancy blade that I've had for years, but they last yeah. forever. <laughs> I, awesome. I only change that blade when I bleed. So that's how cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're similar to me. I, I always yeah. hated, I'm like, even though it's great, it's like yeah. really like hurting my face to right. cut. Like, oh, that's 50 cents. I don't want to throw it away. Right, like, right. Oh, it's my goodness, more than 50 know? cents. Those are not cheap. But the thing is, is if, okay. if you go super cheap, like those, those super cheap big disposables, they suck. I mean, oh, I yeah. don't want to shave with that. So they're, they're, it's a balance, right? It's a balance yeah. of not being, like you said, you don't want to be cheap, right? <laughs> don't yeah. be cheap, right? If it's your well, turn to buy and you're out with your friends, just buy. Don't be an asshole. Oh, yeah. Right? No. <laughs> yeah, beans, people, we know people in our lives who are stingy. Right. They're not fun right. to be around. They're no. actually, it's just not good. If you're more generous, it's so, so much also, better. But here's the great thing. It about- also means that they need help because that means that they just don't <laughs> have enough money. It's, it's, they That's haven't true. learned the lessons of money's important. It's not the only important. It's not the most important thing. It's just a yeah. thing you got to do. And then once you've done it, you don't need to worry about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. And so right. now, so being frugal, frugal is great. But then when it starts getting your time, that's something we, we just right. talked about. But at the same time, what I love is I love being able to afford the things that I want to totally. buy. Yes. Like I said, I like firearms. I like going camping. I like I like being with my family. I'm not right. a big car guy, so I don't spend money on cars. But right. I'll spend money on other things that I want. But right. it's being able to have the money to buy whatever I want and right. still be frugal on the other things. And, and, you know, for us, my wife and I, we're very big on, we spend money on experiences. So she just, yes, she will waste money. Sorry, not waste, spend <laughs> money on travel and experiences. And when we do that, we never go four star. Okay. When, yep. when you want to get a hotel and now I, it was funny. I'll tell her as we wrap up one more funny story from me. So she had all of these hotel.com points thingies. Right. And she's like, we should go to a fancy hotel, like a really fancy one. And I'm like, I don't think we should. (laughs) And she's like, why, Uh why, why shouldn't we, that it would be free. And I'm like, you think it's free, but then you're in a fancy hotel and everybody expects you to tip 
like a lot. <laughs> right? Every time you see yep. somebody and they're and you're in a four star, five star hotel, they're expecting 10, 20 bucks on every little like, okay, this guy carried his bags. You gotta give him 20 bucks. <laughs> this guy yep. did this. Oh, you gotta give him 20 bucks. She's like, really? And I'm like, kinda yeah. And she's like, Yeah, let's not do that. So we instead of doing it like the four hundred dollars on one place, we did like two two hundreds or like four one hundreds <laughs> you know yeah. You, yeah yeah that's kind of our speed right we want to be in the 150 dollar range for a hotel sure because you're not here. tipping everybody <laughs> and you don't want to go to the 75 dollar ones those are just dives you're like oh i don't oh, yeah. touch the yeah, carpet yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let exactly. alone sleep. <laughs> Or, you know, if there's an active crime scene, you'd probably want to go exactly. find you'd yep. <laughs> want to go find another hotel. Right. So let's talk about uh, how people can best get in touch with Dustin Heiner. Uh, what's your favorite URL today? Go ahead and talk about all your Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Actually, I have a real estate investing course. I just love to give this away for free. Just imagine me like your next door neighbor who figured out something that just wants to help you out. So I could, I'll literally give it to you for free. If you text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my real estate investing course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to scale your business so you're making money to be able to quit your job. I'll literally give, walk you through all that stuff. You could also go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. That's all one word, forward slash free course. You know, rental to three three seven 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 or masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Give that to you. Plus, I have my podcast, the Master Passive Income Podcast and YouTube channel. It's literally just me teaching how to do this stuff. I really don't do interviews on that. It's just me saying, hey, I'm just I figured this out. Let me just share with as many people as I can. So I'd love to help anybody and everybody to invest in real estate. This has been a blast. <clears throat> and I'll put links to all of that stuff and more in the show notes. So you don't have to remember all that stuff. Just go to the show notes, vroom, vroom, veer, or you can do triple V double E R.com slash Dustin Heiner. And I'm going to spell your name. So it's D U S T I N, not Justin, Dustin. And then Heiner spelled H E I N E R. So I'll, in vroom, vroom, veer, the URL is always your name. <laughs> <laughs> with a dash. Okay. So it's easy, awesome. easy to remember. So thanks, Dustin. This has been a blast. I appreciate you hanging out with me for about an hour. Thank you, Jeffrey. I appreciate having me on. All right. Take it easy. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.